Well, let's give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. What a beautiful congregation you are, and I wish my wife could have heard that introduction. She does not know the person to whom she is married, and I'm not sure I know him. That reminds me of the man who was introduced one time as the man who made a million dollars in oil in Texas. When he stood to speak, he said, I must tell you the truth. It wasn't in Texas, it was in Idaho. And I must tell you that it was not in oil, it was in potatoes. And I must tell you it was not a million dollars, it was a thousand dollars. And I must tell you it wasn't me, it was my brother. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Valerie. This is, uh, it's quite an honor for me to be here today. I don't feel adequate or deserving of those kind words. You know, the Holy Spirit does a good work without us. And I think all the good work God has done in Pastor Alan Matura has been a work of divine grace and power. What a gifted leader he is. He loves people. And he cares about every single person. I just looked through the ministries of the church. And I've just shared earlier this morning with the elders of the church. And our prayer time, and he was long distance with a son-in-law and long distance with a father in South Carolina, 85 years old. And this morning, the presence of God just enshrouded the entire room in that pastor's study. And I said to myself, here is a man who is a gifted leader. He is a godly man. And he is a great husband and father and pastor. And I love you, Pastor Matura. I love you, Valerie. Thank you. And thank you for 30. 30. That was way back. Way back before Noah and the ark. That was back in the days of Methuselah. Thank you for a wonderful time. Let me just take a moment. I am not a book book salesman. Uh, Although I write a lot of books, somebody else usually sells them. And I would not have brought them today, but your pastor asked me to bring with me some books. So I ordered them. I don't keep them in stock. I ordered them from Cleveland. And they sent them to me, and I have brought them with me. It is a three volume set, Old Testament, New Testament, and the book of Revelation. These books are not like most Bible study books in that I wrote them as a pastor. Over three years, I preached through the entire Bible. I spent between 3,500 and 4,000 hours 
writing and researching the Scripture. Preaching through the Bible as a pastor, not as a scholar, but to find those things in the Word that would speak to everyday average people. I believe I have done my best. I haven't made any money on these books. It cost me about $3,000 just to get them published. So this is not a money-making deal. It is a ministry. In fact, of all the books I've ever done, my wife laughs at me and says, when are we going to start making any money? They always cost us, but it's a way of ministry. These books would easily sell for 60 to $70, all three of them, but the Cleveland people who set the prices have set the prices. They're out front, all three volumes, over 1,000 pages, or $39.95, I think is what the, uh, what the uh, list says. Uh, they will be out front. If you're interested in only one book, you can have only one. If you want two or three, uh, you can take what you want. I especially enjoyed doing the book of Revelation. My theme for Revelation is deep but not difficult. Revelation is not a difficult book. I wrote it simply to portray and to illustrate to people who would read the book of Revelation that it's not a difficult book, and it is the only book in the Bible that God promised to bless those who read it. So I hope you will uh, avail yourself if you have any interest in these. Uh, other than that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Father, thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for 30 years of South Metro Ministry. And we are not forgetting those early years. We're not forgetting the foundational years. We're not forgetting the faithful people who made this ministry possible. We're not forgetting your grace that was so overshadowing and overwhelming that it covered us day by day. But Father, we look and see the great harvest that you have gathered together under this banner. We thank you for it. And I pray that this morning the Holy Spirit, not Raymond Culpepper, but the Holy Spirit will speak a word to your people. In Jesus' name. And would you say, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of how to pray. How to pray the perfect prayer. How to pray the perfect prayer. This is a sermon a message, I believe, that I have not preached in many years. In fact, this is a pastoral sermon I preached a series from at the church I pastored in Birmingham 
and preached it over several weeks and reiterated its contents on many occasions through the years. Because I believe that prayer is the heartbeat of the church. I believe that there is nothing that can eclipse the power of prayer in your life or in my life. And when I read the Word of God, 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, Seek the Lord evermore. In Matthew chapter 7, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what manner of man is there among you if his son shall ask him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask him for a fish, will he give him a serpent? For I say unto you, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask Him. In Luke 21, 36, Jesus said, Pray always. In Ephesians, again, chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Pray always. In Colossians, chapter 4, it says, Pray sincerely being vigilant in your prayers. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. That simply means pray just like you breathe. Your life is to be a life of prayer. But it's in this place that I find myself sometimes feeling legalism, or guilty. I have many books on my shelf at home. I have several shelves of nothing but books about prayer. And in those books, I read E.M. Bounds, the great works that he has done on prayer. I have R.A. Torrey and the great words and concepts he has done with prayer. I have studied the lives of great men and have found that Martin Luther, for example, said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. I have studied the lives of some of the greatest men who have lived and have learned that some of those men would pray four and five hours a day rising at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning and praying till sunup, and reading the story of George Mueller, how that for two hours every day he would pray for God to finance and give resources for the many orphanages he had scattered throughout Europe. 
I have read the story of missionaries like David Livingston. How that David Livingston lived his life on his knees. How that when he died, he was kneeling in prayer and died while he prayed. I read those stories and my heart is challenged by them. But you see, the truth is, I don't pray four hours a day. The truth is, most of us in this room don't pray two hours a day. The truth is, most of us find it hard to pray an hour a day. What are we to think? Are we to think that it's wrong to talk about long prayers? Oh, no. Prayer cannot be too long. But at the same time, you and I should not feel guilty and run from prayer because we can't pray for an hour or two hours every day. Prayer ought to be like we breathe. It ought to be part of the very existence of our lives. When we eat a meal, when we're going to work, when we're relaxing at home, when we're taking a nap, Whatever we're doing with friends, our minds can be in an attitude of prayer. You see, only one place in the Bible did I see where there was a time limit given to prayer. Prayer can be done in short sentences. Prayer can be done in an instant of time. Have you ever been in a near automobile accident? and say, cry out quickly, Oh God, help. Just three words, but that prayer connects to heaven, and God connects to you, and that prayer takes you into a different level. And when I read the Bible, the only place in the Bible that I can find that put a time on prayer is when Jesus said to his disciples before he was crucified, Could you not tarry with me for one hour? But all of the prayers of Paul, all of the prayers of the prophets, all of the prayers of Jesus are not bound in time. And you and I can get legalistic or feel guilty if we bind our prayers around a time segment, because it reminds me of the time I prayed most of the night when I was preaching revivals. I prayed most of the night that night. And I got up the next day and went to the church. And I was going to pray for several hours at the church for the service that night. And at five or ten minutes until seven... I had been asleep for several hours and the people came in for church and woke me up. Somewhere in this equation there must be the realization that when people were praying four hours a day, they were going to bed at 8 o'clock at night. They could get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. They didn't have cell phones. 
They didn't have a thousand and one communications. They didn't have busy families as we have today. And none of that is to give us an excuse but to clear the deck and say prayer is still the heartbeat of the church. The church must pray. The church must seek God, but we don't need a cloud hanging over our heads. Now, in the subject of the perfect prayer, is there a perfect prayer that we can pray? The answer is yes. And the answer around that prayer is to go to the one who was the only perfect person who ever lived. And if you study the ministry and the message of Jesus, you will find that prayer was such an integral part of what he was about. Everything he did was soaked in prayer. For example, at the beginning of his ministry, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus arose a long time before daylight, and went to a solitary place alone, and there he prayed. At the middle of Jesus' ministry, you read the story of Matthew 14, 23, where Jesus, at the middle of his ministry, dispatched himself from the multitudes and went up on a high mountain, and there he prayed. At the end of his ministry, in Luke 22, 34, and 46, Jesus prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He was in prayer at the end of his ministry and even on the cross. When he died, he was in prayer praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But it doesn't stop there. Because in Hebrews 7.25, the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Jesus Christ is praying for you and for me today. His ministry is a ministry of prayer. So when we come to the subject of the perfect prayer, is there a perfect prayer? Absolutely. Is there a perfect way to say that perfect prayer? Absolutely. And if you go back to the very first teaching lesson Jesus gave his disciples, the first lesson covers three chapters in the book of Matthew. It is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some of us look at that thinking that chapter 5 or chapter 5, the first 10 or 15 verses are the Sermon on the Mount. But the Sermon on the Mount was really three full chapters of all read words. Jesus just sat down for three chapters and opened His mouth and taught His disciples the things that were so important and so valuable to know. In the middle of that teaching, in chapter 6, Jesus starts teaching them about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, I want you to look at it with me on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He says, when you pray, watch these words, when you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. I say assuredly to you, they have their reward. Can you say amen? But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Therefore do not be like them. Your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Wow! Wow, your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, that's a very important statement, in this manner, therefore, pray. Now say these words with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse number 1. Later in the ministry of Jesus, some time later, Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We've watched you. Prayer is such an integral part of who you are, not marked by time limit, but marked by your intimacy with the Father. Teach us how to pray. And as Jesus spoke to the disciples, they said, teach us as John taught his disciples. Look at the very next verse. The next verse says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say it with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Now, wait a minute. In the other prayer, it said, forgive us our debts. Here it says, forgive us our sins. And in many translations, it says, forgive us our trespasses. They're all the same thing. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this prayer leaves off the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 6 that said, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, but this gives to to us the heart of prayer and the heart of the perfect prayer. Now this is the perfect prayer 
because the perfect master, he who knew no sin, in thought, in word, in deed, in attitude, in action, he who was perfect coined every word in this prayer and he taught us to pray this prayer. Now what I see here is that the perfect person taught this prayer on two different occasions, almost word for word on both occasions, so it looms to us not as just some illustration, not as just some example of some way to pray, but it comes to us as the perfect prayer. Now we know that we can pray this prayer in about 45 seconds to one minute. But forget the time. Forget the 45 seconds. I talked to one man the other day who said he could pray this prayer (coughs) in 21 seconds. Forget the time. Focus on the content. Focus on your sincerity in prayer. Look at this prayer. I tell you, it is the perfect prayer. It is perfect, secondly, because it has seven different petitions. You know the number seven is God's perfect number. This prayer, not by accident, both prayers in Luke 11, Matthew 6, both prayers contain all seven petitions of God with an introduction on both prayers and a, and a conclusion on the first prayer. So in the act of this, it has seven petitions in the prayer, again, God's perfect number. Now when you look at this prayer, it is perfect in every way because in this prayer it is, it is all-encompassing, bringing everything together. Now, it doesn't bring everything together the way we live, but it brings everything together in one composite prayer from the mind of Jesus about the things we ought to be praying for. Let me talk a little bit about the foundation and fundamentals of this prayer. In the first place, this prayer offers up to us the very fact that it is a powerful pattern of a prayer, a powerful pattern of a prayer. Jesus said, in this manner. Do you remember we read that? In this manner. Jesus is saying, like this pattern, like this structure, this is the way you are to pray. These are the words you're supposed to pray because it is a pattern prayer. Secondly, it is a public prayer. If you look at the pronouns in this prayer, you will see that the pronouns are the pronouns our and us, talking about all of us, all of the people, second person, the persons that all of us are. Yet, thirdly, this prayer is a personal, private prayer because Jesus said in Luke 11, when you pray. So we're praying a prayer for everybody, but it's a personal prayer because it's to you and it is to me. 
It's not only a personal prayer, it is a powerful prayer. You see, some people just think, well, they only pray this prayer because they don't know any other way to pray. Oh, no, no. This is a powerful prayer. Jesus himself said, when you pray, don't use vain repetition. Don't just speak a bunch of words into the air. You you know, sometimes we can pray and not know we're praying. We can pray and be doing a hundred other things in our mind while we're supposed to be praying. That's vain repetition. Anybody ever do that? You start out praying and you get off on something to worry about. You start out praying and you you start thinking about the children. You start out praying and the next thing you know, your mind has wandered over to something on your job. Vain repetitions. You can be there for two, three, or four hours praying vain repetition and still get up and wonder why you haven't connected. This thing of powerful praying. Hey, this is powerful praying. But not only is it powerful praying, fifthly, it is a proven way to pray. In A.D. 69, how many of you remember... Mount Vesuvius exploded and covered Pompeii, Italy in all kinds of devastation. A.D. 69, well, excavators went in to Pompeii, Italy after the volcano and excavated quite a few houses and they found this prayer 39 years after Jesus had given it. They found this prayer inscribed on several walls of houses. This was the prayer, the perfect prayer of Jesus. In 150 A.D., Irenaeus, he was a great historical figure in Christianity. Irenaeus said, Teach your children to pray the Lord's Prayer as soon as they learn to talk. A.D. 150, teach your children to pray the Lord's Prayer as soon as they learn to talk because as an oak tree is in every acorn, all of Christianity is in the Lord's Prayer. In the 3rd century A.D., 300 A.D., There were people who prayed the Lord's Prayer all over the world and they would pray in an echo. The leader, very often, the minister or the person in charge, would often pray, Our Father, and the congregation would pray in an echo, Our Father, which art in heaven, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name in an echo. That was the third century. In the 7th century, they built churches, and in churches they built around the wall seven prayer stations. And at each one of those prayer stations, they had one of the petitions that people would go to each prayer station in their churches in the 7th century, and they would pray at that petition for a, a short length of time and then move on to the second. They would pray, Hallowed be thy name. They would go and pray, Thy kingdom 
come. They would pray, Thy will be done. They would pray, Lord, give us our daily bread. Then they would go to another prayer station and say, Forgive us our debts. Go to another one and say, Lead us not into temptation. And go to the seventh and say, Deliver us from the evil one. And they would walk out the other side of the room saying, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In the twelfth century, in the twelfth century, there were between four and five thousand actors who went all over Europe acting out the Lord's Prayer. Between four and five thousand all over Europe and they would go into churches and they would act out the Lord's Prayer and the actions had seven different acts. So we're saying that this prayer is the perfect prayer. It is a pattern prayer. It is a public prayer. It is a personal prayer. It is a powerful prayer. And it is a proven prayer given down to us over centuries of time. Now, how are we supposed to approach this prayer? Well, we're not to approach this prayer as the only prayer. So you can pray many different kinds of prayer. There is intercession. There's confession. There's petition. There's plain worship. This prayer ought not take the place of other prayers. We prayed early this morning two or three different times since I've been at church or maybe six times since I've been at church. Prayer is all-inclusive. This is just the perfect prayer. Do you get the difference? There are many prayers we need to pray. We need to pray for our families. We need to pray for God to give us wisdom and faith and courage. We need to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into His harvest. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to reign upon us and to use each of us according to the gifts that He has given. We need to pray for resources to reach the people that we, that we have to reach. We need to pray for favor with God and favor with man. We need to pray for our families, our children, our grandchildren. They all need our prayer. Prayer is powerful, but this is the perfect prayer. Therefore, I'm saying to you that every prayer we pray, within reason, within reason, every time we begin a formal time of prayer, we ought to begin that prayer with this perfect prayer. Let me tell you, let me tell you how this has so impacted my life. This is the way I pray. This is the prayer pattern that I have used for many, many years because I have found nothing, nothing in the Bible. And I've prayed the prayers of Paul. I've preached sermons about the prayers of Paul and the prayers of the prophets. But when you get right down to it, there's no prayer you can pray as powerful, as perfect as the Lord's Prayer. Now let me walk you through this. When you arise in the morning, you walk up to the door of prayer. And as you approach the door of prayer, 
Before you is a rug, a mat, and on that mat it is written, Our Father, which art in heaven. That's the introduction to the door. Our Father, which art in heaven, becomes the introduction to the door of your day. We'll talk about that a little bit. Well, let me just talk about it now. People say, where is the name of Jesus in this prayer? This is not prayed in the name of Jesus, and Jesus said we ought to pray in His name. Oh, but you haven't read it. Jesus said, Jesus is on the first word of the prayer. Our Father. Jesus is saying, I am the only begotten Son... And as the only begotten Son, I have access immediate to the Father. You are His spiritual sons and daughters. You have access by me. So we say, in the name of Jesus, our Father. Oh, hallelujah! He is the Father of lights. He is the Father of mercy. He is the Father of all mankind. He is the Father of every redeemed son or daughter. He is the Father of His only begotten Son. And as you enter into that place of prayer, you are saying, Our Father. Oh, hallelujah. You're not an orphan. You're not an unknown. He knows you by your name. He knows your personality. He knows your down-sittings and your uprisings. He knows what you face. He is your Father. Our Father which art in heaven, in heaven, do you know the center of heaven? The center of heaven is the throne of God. Our Father in heaven, in the center of heaven, is the throne of Almighty God. You know what that throne represents? All power. All knowledge. All presence. All wisdom. All knowledge. All holiness. All righteousness. All justice. There in the throne of God. Our Father, which art in heaven. Wow. Wow. We look at the door to prayer after we have this introduction. Our Father, which art in heaven. The first petition on the door on this side becomes heaven's petition. Heaven's petition. Because it says, Hallowed be thy name. Did you know the name Jehovah is in the Bible over 6,800 times? The name Elohim is in the Bible over 2,700 times? Did you know that there are some devout Jews to this very day will not speak the name of God because they revere the word God, Elohim, and Jehovah so much they don't want to take His name in vain? And yet we take it in vain. We use it as a byword. We use it as a surprise word. 
But the words of Jesus, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. This enters us into worship to our holy God. Do you know by His name He protects His people? By His name He feeds and shelters His people. His name is not just a nomenclature for a word. His name is who He is. The Creator God, the Covenant God, the God of sovereignty. Hallowed be Thy name. Then we approach the second petition. Thy kingdom come. Now, most of us don't know much about the kingdom. Most of us are are ignorant when it comes to the kingdom. But the kingdom is inside us. It's outside us. It's here. It's now. But it's then and there. And there is going to come a time when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ, and we will reign forever and ever. We're praying, Thy kingdom come. We're praying, Thy will be done. There's not much of God's will going on in America today. There's not much of God's will going on in the world today. But see what we're doing when we stand here with these first three petitions. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We are praying with a caveat underneath on earth as it is in heaven. The same will of God on this earth the way it is in heaven. And I've got news for you. One day it's going to happen. I said I have news for you. One day... It's going to happen. His will will be on this earth when the Mount of Olives splits in two and Jesus comes down and rests upon it and sets His foot down and the Kidron Valley is opened up and there on that throne in His temple He will rule for a thousand years with a rod of iron. It's not going to be a democracy. It'll be a theocracy. And the pots and the pans will be written holiness unto the Lord. The perfect prayer. When you look at the door, you've got three petitions on the door and you've got a hinge. The hinge of the door is what's so important that holds everything together. The hinge is, give us this day our daily bread. You see, this is everything you and I need. Daily bread, that's everything. That's a paycheck from work. That's healing for your body. That's, Lord, help my children to grow up and love you and honor you and respect you. That's life. That's the hinge of our lives. Give us this day our daily bread and then when you walk through the door and look back at the door, looking in, you were at heaven's request. The fourth petition was give us this day our daily bread. The fifth petition, forgive us our debts. Now we have moved to earth's 
side. Because he's not talking. This is incredible. Nobody could have thought a prayer so beautiful as this up. Nobody could have put together everything in one brief prayer that you needed to pray for. Nobody could have done that except the one about whom we pray, to whom we pray, for whom we pray. He is the center of our prayer. Oh, wow. Wow. You walk through the door and you look back at the door and it's, it's all covered with earthside. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is pretty big on Jesus' agenda. Forgiving others as we have been forgiven. You see, well, let's just stop there. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not. This is about leadership. He says, lead us not into temptation, but he's also inferring, lead us into things that are good as well. Lead us into prosperity. Lead us into blessing. Lead us not into temptation. Oh, no, we want to stay away from temptation. You know, somebody said of Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony, thou colossal child, you could conquer the world, but you could not conquer temptation. Jesus knows we're all tempted. He was tempted. He knows your temptation, and He knows the chink in your armor. He knows what gets you. He knows what gets you, really gets you going. You might not tell everybody, but those close to you, they know what gets you going. When he says, lead us not into temptation, he's covering the waterfront for you and for me. And then he says, for the sixth petition, or for the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation, but the seventh uh, petition, deliver us from the evil one. Now, it's very important. In the original Greek, the new King James says it better than the old King James. And I know the old King James was good enough for Paul and Silas, and it's good enough for me. I know that. I get it. I know there are people who believe in the old King James, and I believe in the old King James. But right here, the translation is, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is going on record in his prayer life to say there is a devil. And he's after you. He's a roaring lion, and he's seeking to devour you. You walk up to the door. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us for the evil one. Now watch this. When you pray this, you are then ready to walk into your day. And you are ready to close that prayer by saying, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall we stand together? Oh, hallelujah. 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 I want us to pray that prayer this morning. I want us to pray that prayer not from a recitation, but from our hearts. And I hope that you will include this perfect prayer the rest of your life because it is the most powerful prayer you can pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. Pastor.